We turn to the Word of God this evening to the book of Colossians. Paul's epistle to the Colossians. We'll begin reading in chapter 2, verse 20. Colossians 2, verse 20. And we'll read to the end of chapter 3. Colossians 2, beginning at verse 20. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things' sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime, when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, 
for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Thus far we read God's holy and infallible word. The text we consider consists of the first three verses of chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Beloved congregation, in our Lord Jesus Christ, this book of the Bible, Colossians, is a, is a book, as we can say, as all the other books of the Bible, but this one very explicitly is a book that's all about Jesus Christ. It's a book of the Bible that teaches us about the glory of Jesus in the first chapter, Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, For by him were all things created, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And that includes you and me. We consist in him. We find our life in Jesus Christ. And Colossians 1 and 2 go on to demonstrate how we are in him that's what you have in verse 27 of Colossians chapter 1, that God has made known the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. We say, well, what is that glory? What is that mystery? And it's Colossians 1.27, which is Christ in you. And then the next chapter, Colossians 2 verse 6, Paul exhorts the Colossians, walk ye in him. Colossians 2 verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And then the next verse, Colossians 2 verse 10, and ye are complete in him. Well, to be in Christ means that we are united to Jesus by a true and living faith. It means that he is the vine, we are the branches. It means that his life flows to us. It means that we died with him, that we were buried with him, and that we are also raised up with him in newness of life. So the book of Colossians, it's all about Jesus Christ, his glory, and how the church of Jesus Christ is in him. And now Paul, having set forth that truth that we're united to Christ, the question becomes, what does that mean for us? We as the people of God are united to Jesus Christ. What does that mean for us? And he answers that question at the beginning of chapter 3. You're united to Jesus Christ? Then seek those things 
which are above. The important word for us all to hear, to seek those things which are above, because we are so inclined, are we not? We are so inclined to seek the things which are here below. Because we are earthy creatures, and in our natural bodies, we are so well adapted to earthly things of food and clothing and shelter. The temptation, though, is that we give ourselves over to these earthly things, seeking them more and more, thinking more and more about those things, the things we can buy and the standard of living that we hope that we could one day achieve. And, and if that's the case, that we become enamored with all of these earthly things down here below, then we become like that fool who imagines that his house will stand indefinitely. But in reality, that fool has, all he does is lay up treasures on this earth where moths corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. And what has happened to us, if such is the case, we forget that we live in a tent and that this earth is not our home. The Word of God commands us, seek the things which are above. And that's something that we learned this morning in the sacrament. We don't seek earthly bread and wine, but we seek heavenly bread and wine, because that's the only kind of food that can satisfy our souls, that spiritual, heavenly bread, which is Jesus Christ. So that this morning, really, what happened in the sacrament and in the preaching, what happened is that we, we looked up, and looking up, we were drawn to Jesus Christ to see him, in all his resurrection glory, as the one who has atoned for all our sins and earned for us all the blessings of salvation. And now Colossians 3, verses 1 and 3, is saying to us, as we take our leave of the Lord's Supper, congregation of Jesus Christ, keep looking up this week and the next week. Keep looking up. And set your affection on those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. The theme for the sermon, seeking heavenly things. Let's look at what that means. Secondly, the reason for that. And finally, the basis. Seeking heavenly things. You note that there's a contrast in the text there are the things above, and there are the things that are here below. As verse 2 says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Let's start with that negative. What are those things on the earth that we are exhorted not to seek? Well, this refers to all the natural things of this world that are all around us, which things become part of our normal day-to-day -day living, our material possessions and necessities, 
food, clothing, and shelter, all the way to our large possessions, our homes, our vehicles, our businesses, all the way down to the smallest things that we own. Maybe tonight we ought to take a few moments and glance around the home and to view how many earthly things that we have, clothing and furniture and pictures on the wall, to all of the pots and pans and everything else in the drawers and in the cupboards. All right, all we're doing right now is identifying all of those things that belong in this category of things on this earth. And now there are a number of biblical examples of men who sought after and craved after these earthly things. This is what they thought mattered and this is what they lived for, at least for a time. You think of in the Old Testament, Abraham's nephew, Lot. Now the Bible says that Lot was a just and a righteous man. He vexed his righteous soul, but for a time, Lot chose to live in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and that showed that he had earthly things in mind because he was craving that good land for his cattle and he was thinking of the pleasures that he could enjoy in those wicked cities and we know that's the case because the Bible says it that Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom That's where his passion was. That's where his desires were. And so there was that time in Lot's life and he was not in a good place, but he was seeking the things which are down here below. And then you go on in Old Testament history, you come to Esau. Esau comes in from the field and he is so hungry And he is more than willing to sell his birthright for a bowl of pottage, which means that his mind was on food. Well, that betrays the kind of man that he was. He was a man who was very much concerned with earthly goods and earthly comfort. And then you have the rich man in Luke chapter 12, that rich man who kept accumulating more and more earthly possessions so that he, he begins to build more barns and, and bigger barns and he says, soul, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And it's not a sin as such to build bigger barns, but the parable makes clear what was in that man's heart and what was in that man's heart was that he loved those things. He craved after those things. He lived for those earthly possessions. And so what were all of these men doing? Lot and Esau and that rich fool of Luke chapter 12. They were setting their hearts on the things down here below. In contrast to those things, the text in Colossians 3 says, seek the things which are above. And you have that same word in verse 2. Set your affection on things above. Well, the things above 
refer to those things which are above and beyond this earthly sphere. It refers to heavenly things. Verse 3, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Well, where is Christ? Christ is in heaven. Therefore, seek heavenly things. And these heavenly things then refer to all the great spiritual blessings that come to us who are united to Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul here in the book of Colossians has already been outlining all of these wonderful spiritual blessings that are ours in Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, verse 14, redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In chapter 2, verse 3, in whom, in Jesus Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And therefore, the heavenly uh, things that we seek after are, are all of the blessings of salvation, the true knowledge of God, the forgiveness of all our sins, all the blessings that the Holy Spirit brings to us, all of those fruits of the Spirit that are outlined for us in Galatians chapter 5, love and joy and peace and long-suffering, and gentleness, and goodness, and meekness, and temperance. Everything that has to do with God, and everything that has to do with Christ, and love for God, and love for Jesus Christ, and love for the neighbor besides, these are the heavenly things that we seek. And we seek these things these heavenly spiritual realities, and now this is an important point, we seek these things from Jesus Christ and Him alone. We don't go seeking these heavenly spiritual realities to some other God, to some other place in this world, but we seek them from Jesus Christ alone. He's the one who gives us these things. Colossians 3 verse 1 Seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now that reference to Christ being seated on the right hand of God included in this verse is important and it's included here in sacred scripture and it's not stated simply so that we know where to look so that the verse could just as well say, seek those things which are above where the angels are, because the angels are in heaven. The text doesn't say, seek those things which are above where the souls of God's people are. And well, where are the souls of God's people? Yeah, the souls of God's people are in heaven. But seek the things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God because Christ is the one who gives us 
all of these spiritual heavenly blessings. They come to us through Christ. He's the one who merited these blessings for us. And therefore, there is no blessing for you and me at all. Not one blessing of God. Not one single heavenly spiritual blessing that comes to us apart from Jesus Christ. And the text says that Jesus is at the right hand of God. That means that he occupies the position of all power and all authority in heaven and in earth to accomplish and to execute the counsel of God. And that counsel and that will of God is to die for his people, is that Jesus die for his people, and that Jesus powerfully by his spirit pours out his spirit and therefore uh, gives to all of his children those blessings that he has merited for them. But Jesus is the one who has received the Spirit, and Jesus is the one who sheds forth his Spirit upon the church. And so what is it, congregation? What, what spiritual blessing, what heavenly thing do you stand in need of at the moment? And you say, well, we're in need of all those spiritual blessings. And that's true. Well, then seek them from Christ, which means know him, believe in him, trust in him for all your salvation, follow him, bear his reproach among men. All those spiritual blessings are wrapped up in Jesus Christ and him alone. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits, at the right hand of God. And by the way, that becomes one of our criticisms of common grace. Common grace says that there are blessings of God that there at least is a general favor of God that comes upon all men. But it's not a blessing, it's not a favor of God that finds its basis in the cross of Jesus Christ. It, it, it finds its basis somewhere else, but it, it doesn't find its basis in the cross of Jesus Christ. After all, it's not a saving grace, it's a common grace. And our criticism and our accusation is, well, then what is the basis for that kind of a grace? What is the basis for that type of a blessing that God supposedly gives to all men if it doesn't find its source, if it doesn't find its origin in the Lord Jesus Christ? And now Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 3, is as much saying... Over here are all of the spiritual heavenly blessings that you stand in need of. Every single one of them. And you know where they are? They're in heaven. And you know why they're in heaven? Because that's where Christ is. He's the one who earned them for you. He's the one who died on the cross to merit them for his people. Set your affection on things above. Where Christ sits on the right hand of God because every single spiritual heavenly blessing is communicated to us through the Lord 
Jesus Christ. And so those are the, th those are the things on the earth, and those are the things which are above. And now the exhortation to us is to seek those things which are above. The exhortation to us, set your affection on those things which are above. Let's start with that ladder, to set your affection on these things. As verse 2 says, it means to, to think on these things. It means let your mind be occupied with these heavenly spiritual realities. Let these things be something that you are vitally concerned about and that are constantly on your mind. And here the question comes to us, how much do we think on those things which are above? And our lives have become so busy with family, with school, and with so many other good and, and, and necessary activities, other things that we are very much concerned about, but we ought also to be very concerned about heavenly, spiritual realities. And that means that we ought to take time out of our busy schedules to sit down and meditate on heavenly things. Not to sit down and to, to daydream about them, but to sit down and let Scripture be your guide as you ponder the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he means to you, and as you think of all that Christ has given you, all that he has in store for you. Well, those heavenly spiritual blessings are near and dear to your heart, are they not? Well, then sit down throughout the week and, and contemplate those things that are heavenly and, and holy. And that's what it means to set your affection on those things which are above. And then verse 1 also says, it states, set your affection, but then verse 1, and seek those things which are above. And that word seek means to press after something. It means to pursue something. We think of those Olympic runners and swimmers who press every ounce of energy in their body in pursuit of their goal and they are focused, and they are determined, and when the race is over, they're so exhausted and so spent because they've given it their all. And that's what it means to seek the things which are above. We are pressing ourselves in pursuit of heavenly realities. We are running, and we are pursuing, and we are thinking, and we are praying. There's something we don't have or at least there's something we don't have and we want more of it in greater measure. And so we stretch out to get it. And that's what it means to, to seek the things which are above. But now let's be clear here. When we are exhorted 
not to seek the things of the earth. It's not the case that it's wrong to have earthly things. Earthly things, material possessions are not wrong in and of themselves. And that was one of the errors of the ancient heresy known as, as Gnosticism. Gnostics believed that earthly material things were bad and that only spiritual things were good so that if you wanted to be more holy, you would get rid of earthly things and devote yourself only to spiritual things. You had kind of the same thing in the Roman Catholic Church in the Middle Ages where these men would go off and live in the wilderness and separate themselves from virtually all material possessions, thinking somehow that those possessions were, were tainting their holiness and preventing them from enjoying blessing from God. And so they removed themselves from society. They became ascetic and they, they got rid of all their possessions, but they only found out that, that it, didn't, it didn't cause them to grow in holiness. But when we're told not to seek the things of the earth, the Bible is re referring to how we view the earthly things that God has given unto us. And it's telling us we may not seek earthly things as an end in and of themselves. We may not have our hearts so wrapped up in earthly things that our minds are consumed with these things. We may not think that our happiness in life depends upon earthly things. That's sin. That's covetousness. And what makes that so frightening is that it crowds out those good and proper desires we ought to have for the things which are above. And now it's true that there are earthly things and they have a place in our lives. We need earthly things. We need cars and clothing. We need phones and computers. But we don't long and yearn for them and set our heart's desire upon these things. We may secure these earthly things. We may purchase these earthly things. But only insofar as these earthly things help us to seek the things of the kingdom of heaven. There's a warning in the text, and the warning is this. Stop doing it. Stop setting your heart's affection upon the things of the earth. And that's what we have in verse 2. A very literal translation would be, set your affection on things above, and stop setting your affections on things on the earth. So that this language in the text is forbidding an action already in progress. Paul is telling the Colossians, you are seeking those things which are down here below to a certain degree. Stop seeking those things. And that's a good word for us in the year of our Lord, 2023, because many are the times in our lives when we are seeking earthly things and and we are craving and we are desiring more 
earthly things. We have so much, and we recognize it, but oftentimes we want more. We want different kinds of things. We want bigger things. We want smaller things. We, we want things that we can wear. We want things that we can stow away. We want things that we can use. And then we want things that we can use knowing full well the next day we'll probably end up throwing it away. And that craving after earthly things creates all kinds of problems. Problems between husbands and wives. Problems between children and parents. In extreme cases, that craving for earthly mammon and then not getting it leads to despair. And that despair turns into anger toward God where somebody says, God, you're not taking care of me. You're not giving me the things that I think I need. And if that becomes the case, then we become no better than those Israelites who murmured against God and complained and tempted God in the wilderness. The command to us is to stop seeking the things upon the earth, but rather seek and set your affection on the things which are above. And then the reason, why should we... Seek those things which are above. And the Bible answers that question in verse 3. This is the reason, a twofold reason. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's why we ought to seek the things which are above. In the first place it says... It says, because you are dead. Did you know that? You and I are dead. Now, what does that mean? When it, verse 3 says that, for ye are dead. How can Paul say that to the Colossians? For ye are dead. Well, the word of God is referring to that old man of sin. In, uh, we are dead insofar as as our old man of sin has died in the death of Christ. You are dead. And I am dead. That's what the word of God states elsewhere. In the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. When something's crucified, it's dead. Our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we henceforth should not serve sin. And then a chapter earlier in Colossians 2, verse 20, that's where we began reading earlier. Colossians 2, 20, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, and all of those passages are speaking from the point of view of that old man of sin. Our old man of sin was crucified with Jesus Christ and is dead. Now, that our old man is dead doesn't mean that it's entirely gone in our 
bodies doesn't even mean that it's not a very real and strong presence in our lives. That old man of sin certainly is. You know that and I know that. But it means that old man of sin no longer rules me. That old man of sin does not control you, does not govern you. Before, before Christ, our life was such that we were in service to the bondage of sin before regeneration. We sought the things of the earth and we minded carnal things. But now in the death of Jesus Christ, that old life of ours has died. That old man of sin was crucified with him. He doesn't control us. He doesn't call the shots as it were. And that means that we don't live that old life. We no longer serve sin because we are no longer under the bondage of sin, under the power of sin. Christ has redeemed us from the power of sin. That old man is dead for, in that point of view. And so Paul rightly gives this as a reason why we should seek the things which are above. Because you are dead. That old man of sin does not rule you anymore. That old man of sin only wants you to look this way, down here. But now with that old man of sin dead, the controlling power of sin is gone. We now can lift our heads up and seek those things which are above. So that's the first thing. For ye are dead. And then... In the second place, the reason why we should seek the things which are above, verse 3 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Remembering, where is Christ? Christ is in heaven. Therefore, we seek the things which are above. But what does that mean, that our life is hid with God? That our life is hid means that right now we, we don't see our life in all the glory that God has in store for us at the moment. The Word of God says, it says elsewhere, 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We, we, we don't see it yet because our life is hid with Christ in God, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And that'll be something. We know that Jesus Christ is coming again, and Christ is the one who was raised from the dead. Christ was the one who was raised with uh, uh, unto life, a life of infinite glory. And to think that we are united to him, his resurrection body, yes we are. That we are partakers of all his blessings, we are. And the Lord's Supper this morning confirmed that in our hearts that we are one with our Savior. Even as that bread and wine nourishes us and, and becomes part of us. And because our life is hid with Christ in God, well that... Well, that's where our life is. Are you concerned about your life? Am I concerned about my life? And we, we say, yeah, I'm, I'm very much concerned about my life. And the word of God says, 
Our life is hid with Christ. Christ is in heaven. Our life is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. You want strong life? You want happy days? Don't look down here on this earthly sphere. Don't look down here and think that you will have the happiness and security that will abide forever because down here you won't find that. But seek those things which are above. Where your life is hid with Christ in God who is in heaven. And finally, the basis, answering the question, how is this even possible? A very very daunting task. Setting our affection on the things which are above, seeking those things which are above. The basis of this admonition is there in verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek the things which are above. There's nothing in you or me naturally that would compel us to seek those things which are above. By nature we are prone to evil and inclined to all wickedness. By nature all we love to think and contemplate about is sin and the lusts of the flesh and the the pride of the life. But the basis is what's stated there in verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. And that's as much saying that we are risen with Christ. And because we are risen with Christ, the admonition comes to us as God's people to live what you have become. Raised resurrected children of God. And that implies in the first place that we believe first that Christ is he who is raised from the dead. Christ who suffered and died for our sins on the cross and on the third day he arose from the dead and our Savior arose with a glorious body and his life is now the life of power and glory and resurrection and and majesty. And beloved, we are risen with Christ. Not simply speaking about a future reality in the day of judgment and when Christ will raise our bodies, but this is a present reality. We are risen with Christ. Christ, which means that right now we are partakers of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. So much so that verse 4 says that Christ is our life. If Christ is raised from the dead and we are in him, well then his life is our life and we too then are raised from the dead. And that tells us The truth of regeneration, Christ has regenerated us. He's united us to him by faith. And because Christ is holy, we are holy. Because Christ's thoughts are toward God, our thoughts are toward God. And it's because we are risen with Christ, having his resurrection life, that we are able to seek the things which are 
above. We are alive. You are not you are not dead to heavenly things, but you are alive to spiritual things because you have resurrection life. Seek those things which are above and therefore with the eyes of faith, don't simply, don't, don't simply look straight in front of you at the things the eye of the body can see, but with the eyes of faith, look up and behold what wonderful things Christ has merited for you, that he has in store for you, that he liberally communicates to all those who cry out to him in time of need. Seek those things which are above. We are risen with Christ. In verse 1, when it says that, if ye then be risen with Christ, there's no room for doubt That's not a verse that's saying, examine yourselves and see once, maybe if you are risen with Christ, if you are, good job, but if you're not, keep working at it. No. But this is a statement of fact. This is is who you are. And there's Paul, the Apostle Paul is expressing no doubt whatsoever. But he's saying, you have been risen with Christ, and since you have been risen with him, you are regenerated. You have his life. Now seek those things which are above. This morning, beloved, we partook of the Lord's Supper. And what happened is that we looked up. And in looking up, we were drawn to heaven where Christ is and where Christ gives unto us all the blessings of salvation. And now taking our leave of the Lord's Supper, this becomes your calling. Keep looking up. Go forth in this week and look up. And don't, don't become unduly distracted with the things of this world. Don't set your hearts uh, upon the things of this earth. But keep fastening your eyes on the things which are above, which are heavenly and which are spiritual. You've been raised with Christ and your life is hid with Christ in God. And now go out and seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. Apply it to our hearts that we would be not only hearers of thy word, but doers, that we would set our affection upon the things which are above, that we would seek those things and press after them. Forgive us when we do pray for those earthly things and forgive those sins and strengthen us by thy grace and spirit all the more to look up and to behold all those heavenly realities and to look up to see the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us and to know that he comes quickly to judge this earth and to bring us to our eternal destination. May we be faithful until that day. 
Keep us on the straight and narrow and bless us in the remainder of this night that we may keep this night holy, Sabbath day holy to the glory of thy name. All this we pray in Jesus' name alone. Amen.